Now let's get to our passage today, which is Galatians, uh, and it starts in 1.10 and it goes till 2.10. And so if you have your Bible, you're probably going to want to get them because I do have the text on the screen, but it itty bitty bitty because we're going through a lot of text today. And so you'll want to make sure that you have your Bible if you have it. That's great. Okay. Now, here in this passage, just go a little recap for those of you who might not be here last week. Uh, Paul visits all the churches up in Macedonia and that area, and he goes up through uh, on his first mission trip, and he starts all these churches, and he spends some time there, and then he goes back to Jerusalem. He's raising money, and he hears about a problem that's happening in these churches, that there are folks, missionaries, Christian missionaries, from the south part of Israel, uh, Judea, and they're very conservative, and they went up and they said that it's fantastic that God is bringing the gospel to the Gentiles, no problem, except for the gospel is really for the Jews. So if God wants to save the Gentiles, then they have to become Jews first, which is basically what they were teaching. And um, what they had is in, in their armory is they had the Bible, right? They had scripture, they had the Torah, they, had, you know, they could open it up and say, you know, if you're one of God's people, you need to be circumcised. And then the other laws that you follow, once you're circumcised, you needed to follow those as far as the Christian experience. And so this created some problems. And so Paul writes to them and says, listen, the gospel has never been Jesus plus. It's not Jesus plus doing this other thing. It's what makes you a good Christian. It's what makes you a Christian. It's not that. It's we are saved by grace through faith and Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And so Paul writes this letter, and he's pretty upset when he writes it. You can just feel the intensity. But it's not that he's mad at the people. He's mad at the problem. He's mad at the teaching. He's mad at what the risk is there. And so he writes down, he sits down, and he writes this letter to the churches in Galatia, which are all these churches, as saying, because there's a widespread problem. And he teaches them, uh, listen, the gospel is from Jesus Christ. Right? This is from God. This is not something that is, a, that is from a human origin. And the gospel is that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And we need to stick with that. And the gospel is for all people. And, and, he, and he builds that argument. Now, last week, he, he starts it off. And remember, he, he really talks about this is what the gospel is. That this, uh, the gospel does come from God. It's the gospel of grace. But this week, he talks about how do we know we could trust it? And this is, I think, a very timely thing. I mean, for us, we spend a lot of our time every day authenticating ourselves, don't we? You log on, you have a, a crazy username that no one's going to guess, and you have an even crazier password that you can't guess, right? And then they make you change it every three months, so that way you should be the only human being that knows this. And sometimes you don't even know it. That's how good we are authenticating things. And that's what we do. And even with that, I'll tell you a couple, what, about a year and a half ago, um, I, I, my wife and I uh, signed up for this thing that kind of monitors your, your um, identity, you know, and make sure that no one steals it. And we got a call. And uh, apparently, I had been opening up bank accounts all over the world. Wow. Who knew that? Of course. Yeah. Of course. And then I'd been taking out loans at places all over the world. And I had been buying, I kid you not, bullets, goat feed, and porn. And I had been shipping them to some place in Africa. Who knew? And this surprised me. Because <laughs> I don't remember doing that. And, and somebody had been impersonating me. They got my mother's maiden name and they got some other information from me online and they started to open up accounts and they started buying those things. 
And fortunately, there was somebody looking out saying, wait a second, that other Aaron doesn't seem authentic. Right? And so he doesn't have the power to purchase those things anymore, and they cut him off, thankfully. And, and, and I tell you what, it took tons of paperwork and things to prove to these people who I truly am. Right? Authenticity matters. It really does. The other week, uh, last week, actually, um, my wife and I got to go out to, to lunch with a couple from church. And as we were there at the finishing the meal, this man walks in and he's giving away million dollar bills. And my son was so excited because he thought, well, this is it. <laughs> you know, like, I'm so glad we went out to lunch today. And of course, on the back was a track that talks about who Jesus is. And he was so disappointed. <laughs> He's already got Jesus. He was like, man, I want the million bucks, but it wasn't authentic. And so I bought, I gave him a dollar for his, his track because that was a real bill. It was authentic. Authenticity matters. The fact is, if the gospel isn't real, then who cares? And this world is filled with imposters, people that are impersonating God, and people impersonating what God would want to say, people impersonating prophets, saying that I have a message from God. But really, if... if if their message isn't authentic, then who cares? And Paul knows this. And so he begins at this, at this in, in Galatians, he begins by showing that the gospel is indeed authentic. That it comes from God. And so the first point that we get to is Galatians uh, starts in, in uh, verse 10, or verse <laughs> chapter 1, verse 10. And so what he says, he says, I'm tr- am I trying to win the approval of human beings? Or of God. Now remember, he's writing to this churches of Galatia, and these, these folks from Judea were coming up and were saying you have to be a Jew in order to be a Christian. The reason they were doing that, largely in part, is because they were being financed from Judah. And, and if the Jews down there thought they were being soft on the Gentiles, the money dries up real fast, and their mission dries up really fast. And for the sake of unity in the church, I mean, the argument could be made, how hard is it just to be circumcised? pretty hard, I would imagine. <laughs> but for them, they would think we already are and we're giving the money to this and we want to, you know, why would we deviate from anything from Scripture? And so they thought, well, let's just keep everybody happy and we're going to just teach that, you know, we're still teaching Jesus. We're just adding a couple things. <laughs> and, and it would have been really easy for Paul to say, let's just make peace with the folks right now that have, seem to have the, the finances and the authority and, and the ability to make problems. Let's just make peace with them and just give up a little bit of liberty for the sake of peace. And let's, let's win the approval of these people because it will make my life easier. But Paul points and says, is that what I'm trying to do? No. <laughs> By talking to you about these things, right there you show that I am not so much caring about what other people think about me. But I have to say these things because I care about what God says. Because it's his message. Remember last week he says, if anyone preaches a gospel other than the one that was preached, even if it was him or an angel from heaven, then he'd be eternally condemned. Paul's saying, we need to be right with God on this. This is God's message, not ours. It's authentic. So he's saying, this message is not from me. This message is from God. It's not people. In fact, that's what he writes here at the end. <laughs> you know, that... Uh, I did not receive this from any man. I I was not taught it. Rather, I received it as a revelation from Jesus. Now, the Greek there is interesting because I did some historical study and there's two thoughts as to how that word, how the the phrasing there can mean. One means that Jesus actually came down and taught him the gospel, 
right? Gave the audio, taught him the gospel, and that's how he learned it. The other one is that Jesus showed up in the flesh to him and taught him the gospel. And, after, you know, there's a big debate that was going on. I said, I don't care. Either way, he got it from Jesus. <laughs> right? Paul wasn't a second-hand Christian. Right? He, he received the message from God himself. And he goes to great pains in the next couple of verses to show that. How important it was that Paul didn't, he wasn't a, a, a guy who came across the gospel, he hears it, and then he's taught even by the, the apostles, and then became their disciple. He's like, no, I heard this from God himself. This is his message. And that leads to some level of authenticity. When God shows up, like when you crucify a guy, and he, he comes back from the dead like he promised he would, then you see in the scripture that he was foretold to do that 300 times for thousands of years, that he would do this very thing, and he shows up and he does it, and he proves, I am authentic, I have the password. And then he says, this is my message. Paul's saying, listen, this is not, this is not some, some secret thing where somebody goes into a cave and says, trust me, I heard some things, Right? This is not some guy that says, I've lived this really wise life. You should look at how I live because I'm, I'm closer to God than you are. And therefore, I've got some really great ideas of how to get close to him. And Paul's not even saying that. Paul's not even saying this is a guy who studied the word so well that he could speak with more authority than you have on it. And he's got a message of how to get to God. Paul's saying this message came directly from the lips of God. It was authentic. And that's why we need to listen. But he doesn't just leave us with the trust me. Because a lot of people, I mean, talk is cheap, right? A lot of people could say, well, I've got a message from God. That's the problem with false prophets. That was the problem with the people opening bank accounts in my name. They would walk into the bank and say, I'm Aaron Dorman. They said, hey, that's fantastic. We'll open a bank for you, account for you. Paul knows we don't want to be like that. We need to check the authenticity. So he gives us some proofs. But the first thing he says is the message is from God. And then... He proves his authenticity by the second part. He says the ministry is from God. And that goes, starts from verse uh, uh, 12, goes to verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 5. And this ministry that he has was not from him. And he says, Check, take a look at my uh, qualifications. And he says, you know, my previous way of life in Judaism, he persecuted the church. I was a murderer. <laughs> right? Paul is showing here in this passage it starts out, he says, if, there was, if, if I didn't meet with God, then explain to me how I got to where I am. Right? You know, my previous one, I, I was, I was uh, persecuting the church of God. I tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism. And this means that he was going through the studies, and he knew the law better than all those Judaizers that were coming up out of, out of Judah. Right? He, he knew it really well. He understood the law. He was dedicated to the law. And he didn't have any love for the church, much less Jesus. In fact, he stood there and held the cloaks of those that were stoning the first martyr, Stephen. Now, Paul begins by saying, I was not qualified to come up with this message myself. I wouldn't have invented this. But he says here, but when God who sent me apart from my mother's womb called me by his grace, it was pleased he was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him amongst the Gentiles. Now he's pulling out references and things to Isaiah and saying, you know, that I, I was known from my mother's womb. 
Right? This was a call that I didn't choose, that God chose me in this. this even, even the call wasn't from man. This ministry I didn't invent. It's not like Paul said, I woke up one day and said, I'm switching to Christianity, and I'm going to make sure that everybody knows that Jesus is Lord, because I think it's a great idea. It is a good message. Saying, look at my life. Okay? I was dedicated to the destruction of Christianity, and God showed up, and he changed me. And he's challenging the readers at this point to, to look back in the history that they knew of Paul and to see if it wasn't true. Because these were the very people that were terrified of Paul before he converted. They knew what happened. And they knew the transformation and they could not explain it. Other than the way Paul explained it is that Jesus knocked him off his donkey. And that's exactly what he did. And then he says that, that when I went to Syria and Silica, I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea and Christ. Uh, they only heard this report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. He said, these folks that are in, in Judea, they didn't even know me. But even they know of my testimony. Right? They knew that, that they should be afraid of me. And now they see I have a man of grace. And before, like now, they're criticizing me and saying that I'm going soft on the Gentiles. But there was a time where they were praising God because of the grace that God has, has given me and the message that he's given me. He's reminding us of all these things. Now, something that's important is, uh, says, then I went to, the, to Syria and Silica. And, and what did he do after he was, uh, when Paul was, came to faith? Did he go to Jerusalem? No. And that's the crazy thing. Now, if you look on a map, okay, you have Jerusalem, Judea, okay, and Jerusalem's right here, okay, you go up, Damascus, Okay, and then you have this area that's called Arabia, okay, and uh, that's where they figured and it kind of followed the Crescent River down the side or whatever, but, the, but this was kind of the northern portion of what we would consider the Holy Land, was Arabia. Now, Paul becomes a Christian. He goes from Jerusalem, he goes up to persecute the church in Damascus. On the way, he gets knocked off his donkey, and then he goes up to Damascus. Okay, then he hears about Jesus, scales fall off his eyes. Where does he go? Now, for you and for me, we would think, well, the natural place is to go back to Jerusalem. One, to tell the folks that sent you, hey, we've been on the wrong side. But two, to go to the center, to go to where the apostles are and to learn from them because they walked with Jesus. Right? But Paul doesn't do this. Instead, he goes the opposite direction. And he goes up into the wilderness area. He goes into Arabia and he spends three years. Three years, what do you suppose he was doing for three years? Well, he tells us. He says, I met with Jesus and he taught me the gospel. You see, the apostles got their authority. They were authentic because they walked with Jesus, right? And Jesus actually taught them. And they saw Jesus die. And then they saw him resurrected. And then they walked with him for 40 days. And so their testimony was valid. Because people would say, well, did you hear that Jesus rose from the dead? They said, no, I, I saw him. Did you see him or did you think you saw him? No, I saw him and I ate with him. Well, are you sure it wasn't just something like a passing glance you saw him? No, he was there for 40 days and we definitely saw him. Well, let's just say, let's just make sure that you're telling the truth. I'm going to kill you and if you, 
Just, and, and all you have to do if you're lying, just tell me you're lying and I'll stop killing you. And they're like, well, <laughs> then you're going to have to kill me because what I saw was true. And they died because their message was true and they were proved to be authentic. Now, Paul is not less than an apostle. He's not one of the twelve. He's not there to replace the twelve. But like the twelve, he got three years with Jesus. Now, here's what Paul had before that. A lifetime of studying scripture so he would understand the word. So when Jesus met with him, can you imagine that Bible study? Can you imagine how awesome that was? It's like one of the greatest theological minds of all time meeting with Jesus for three years. And going through from Genesis all the way through, Jesus saying, yep, that talks about me. He's like, oh, and the lights come on. And Paul is just, it's not just the moment on the donkey. It is this, I think, that changed him. And his doctrine became solid to the point that he could author half of the New Testament. And he could go on these missionary journeys and preach to people that he thought before were condemned and say, no, God loves you. And there is a way that that you can, can be loved by him. And you can come to him and be forgiven. Paul gets this ministry not from men. Paul never would have invented this ministry. Paul wanted to be the big Pharisee. That's what he wanted. He wanted to grow up and to to get the cool robes and to have a seat at the temple. That's what he wanted. That was his ambition. That's what he wanted to do in life. And as far as those stinking Gentiles, they could stay out in the outer court. That's what he wanted. And God said, no, I've got something different for you. You're going to be a light. You're going to bring my light to a very dark world. That is God's ministry. And Paul looks to this. He takes this to the the churches of, of Galatia and says, listen, the ministry that I gave to you wasn't something I invented. It was from God. It's authentic. It wasn't from me. The message I received was authentic. But look at my, the, the mission that God gave me. Proves the authenticity of both. This ministry is from God. It's from God. But he goes on. In the last part, um, he says uh, <laughs> that this, this mission that he's on, it's not just the ministry of the gospel. Paul is on a mission. The mission to reach all people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That wasn't something that Paul made up. It's not that the church made up. It's not like something that we said, you know what, we're done with Judaism. Let's put that on the back burner and be done with it and, and step aside because we have a church that's going to replace all of the Old Testament. That wasn't God's plan. It never has been. He says there's a mission to continue what God started back in Eden and God, he, he magnified and clarified in the Old Testament and continues today. And this is a mission that Paul says, I'm on. A mission that was from the very beginning, what, Paul prom- what God promised Abraham, that all nations on earth will be blessed through you. Right? What he tells to Isaiah, he says that, there's going to be a, that the Messiah is coming, he's going to be a light to the Gentiles, right? to all people. But not just to the Gentiles, but to the Jews first. And this is what Paul says. This is a mission. This wasn't a mission of Paul's to just go save the Gentiles at the expense of the Jews or to somehow appease the Jews at the expense of the Gentiles. He says it's not about us. It's about God, and it's his plan, and it's his mission, and this is what we're on. Now look what he talks about here. So, those, so he talks about where those who are held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. He's talking about the apostles, and you see, well, that seems awfully flippant, Paul. <laughs> You're talking about the apostles. But he's making a point that he's listening. He's like, God's not impressed with terms like apostle. 
God creates positions for a reason. And Paul's saying, listen, I wasn't underneath the apostles. I didn't come under their teaching and somehow uh, mishear the gospel. And now I'm misrepresenting it to you like those that are coming from Judea are saying I'm doing. I'm not less than an apostle. It's like if James came here or John or Peter or, or Philip came here and preached these things, you would have to listen to them just as much as you're listening to me. That's what Paul is saying. It's like, it's like I, I, you, you don't have to say, well, Peter you know, would do this. Paul's saying, well, you know what? Peter's not here right now, but I'll get to that. I met with Peter and he was good with me, right? And I'm still... Co-equal. Because Peter and I both met with Jesus. And we both have the same message, and we're both saying the same thing. So we're both on the same mission. So you better listen up. Now he talks about that. He says, uh, he said, whatever they were, God does not show favoritism. And they added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God was at work in Peter, an apostle, to the circumcised, as so the circumcised was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. You see, he's looking at the apostles saying, listen, we don't need to use us and our titles to war against each other. Recognize this is God's mission and we're all on it. And if you want to say there's a division in the church, it's certainly not amongst the leadership because we all met with Jesus and this is his message. And this is his ministry. <laughs> and so Peter, yes, he's got, a, he's got a, an amazing ministry to the Jews. And that's what he writes to. And that's what he's helping grow is the church there. And God called. And he said, you know what? But Peter and James and, and John and the pillars of the church, guess what they did? They said, yep, we recognize that we have this ministry, but you have a ministry too. And it's equal with ours and we bless it and this is great. They added nothing to it. Which is an amazing thing. Because guess what? The message isn't about people at work. Do you notice that fascinating phrase in there? That it says uh, that they thought it was God at work in Peter? That God is also at work in me? You see, we recognize that this, uh, through these passages, that the gospel we have is not some fairy tale. and It's not some... Well, if I was good enough, then I could do more for God. Or that if I was smarter, then I'd have more words from God to share to you. Or, you know, if I had somehow been a better person, then God could do more in my life. You understand this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is God's message. It, it's not something that we pass down that it's because some holy guy walked a couple thousand years ago that we think that he was smarter than us or more righteous than us that we're going to listen to him because he might know about God better. No, he was God. He actually is God. He's still living. And he met with people firsthand that said and taught them these things. And what we believe is a message that goes all the way back to the truth, to the one God who actually showed up and put on flesh and said, here I am, if you want to know me, this is how. And I'm, guess what, I'm making the way, I'm doing it. So we don't have to be at work inventing a gospel, trying to present God in a new way to this world, because God already revealed himself in the perfect way to this world. It is God's message. And we can, for starters, we can be confident in that. 
Because in this world of pluralism, aren't we constantly being uh, challenged to you know, question our faith? To say, well, all religions, religions basically say the same thing, don't they? No. A lot of religions look very similar, like that million-dollar bill looked a lot like a dollar bill until you looked at it closely. There are tons of imposters out there. But the first thing we need to know is, you know, will our currency spend when our day of reckoning comes? What I believe in is it real. And Paul talks about this. It comes from God. I don't think you're going to have much more assurance than that. Directly from him. Or the ministry that we have. Is this something that we have to invent to create? God's ministry in you? Is this something you have to like worry so hard about? Like, what is God going to? What do I have to do for God to build His kingdom? I have to invent something somehow. Like God hasn't somehow already been working in your life, <laughs> creating His ministry in you, and He's already revealed what that ministry is. It's to bring the good news of Jesus to our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and and our family members. And there's lots of different ways we get to do that. It's to love God with everything. And to love other people at least as much as we love ourselves. That's your ministry. And that doesn't come from you. You didn't have to invent it. It wasn't like someday you woke up and said, I'm going to be a really great person and love God with everything that I am. And love other people. With every, right? And that, that I have to come up with some way of saying how God is going to reconcile the world. But God gave you the message. He gave you the ministry. You are appointed and set aside to do that. And just like Paul said through Peter, God is at work in you. God is at work through you. This is, this is his ministry, but it's also God's mission. We didn't invent as a church the idea that everyone should hear the gospel. Because Jesus told us not everyone will become a Christian. He already told us that. So we, we could take that stress off our back. right? We're going to know people, we're going to love people, and they're going to reject God. And that's hard. It's going to be very painful, but it doesn't mean that we failed. Our mission is this, that everyone needs to know that God loves them. That everyone has to have an opportunity to see God's love in action so they know it's legitimate. Right? That's our mission. To bring this gospel to the world. We didn't have to invent it. It was not something that we uh, have to come up with. And here's the cool thing. Just as God was at work in Peter and Paul to do their work, God has given us the Holy Spirit. He's at work in us. Now here's the coolest thing. We're going to get to that in the next couple of weeks, how God is at work in us. But here's a preview. The more that we connect with God, the more that we find our, our life through the Holy Spirit, the more that we feed ourselves in God's word, the more that we connect with God, just like Paul did. Spent three years with him. Just like Peter and the apostles did before, right? As they connected with God and the Spirit, you're not going to be able to help yourself. You won't be able to stop your ministry because God's just going to be at work in you, brighter and brighter and brighter. Because it's not you that's saving the world. It's God. He just simply says, I want to work through you. This is my message. This is my ministry. This is my mission. And he invites us to come on board. Now I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And as they do, and we can bring this to a close, the question is, how do we get engaged in this? What does this have to do with us? Because certainly we're here. We're like, well, I'm here, but is there anything that's required? Faith. Trusting God to say, all right, God, I trust that, that this is your message. You know what faith is? Faith is not the absence of doubt. Because guess what? 
you and me, we're not going to get to meet Peter until we're in heaven. We're not going to get to meet Paul until we're in heaven. We're not going to meet Jesus, most of us, until we're in heaven. Right? So we're not going to get to have what they had as this visual confirmation, this audio confirmation, this physical confirmation that Jesus actually rose from the dead. I haven't seen the risen Lord Jesus Christ yet. And so there are times you would say, well, do I have doubts because I haven't seen it? Absolutely. But faith is this, seeing that there's enough evidence that it makes sense to trust in spite of my doubts. To say, Paul's conversion is, is pretty awesome, convincing proof that he was authentic, right? He didn't come up with this. I can't explain Paul. No one can, even Paul couldn't explain Paul outside of Jesus. So maybe I don't need to. He proved he was authentic. And therefore, maybe that's enough for me to see that Jesus really did raise and he can change people. Maybe even what he said back then is true today because he said it is. And I will trust it. That's faith. And, and you know what? I'm going to have faith. I'm going to have doubt maybe that the mission is for me or the, or the ministry is for me. But I'm going to trust that the ministry is for me because that's what God said in his authentic message. And I don't know if maybe I'm on this mission. I have doubts as to where I fit or maybe God could even use me to reach this world. But I'm going to trust God in faith that what he said in the word is true. That's faith. So how do we respond in faith? I want you to take out your green cards. I have some ideas, but these aren't the only ones. These are just suggestions. On the back, the first thing that uh, it says I commit to, there are some things that you might want to do. Maybe it's memorize Galatians 1.11. Because you know what? How powerful that truth of that gospel could be, especially in this world where we are constantly being told to, that our truth is just us. And, and that could be your truth is good for you, but it's not my truth. And to remember that we didn't create the gospel. This is not from people. It's not even from a really smart person. It's from God himself. And to remember what we believe has been authenticated. And that's a powerful verse to have, especially when doubt comes. So maybe that's what you need to do. Something else you might want to do is write out your testimony. I don't know if you've ever done this. A lot of times, as Christians, we're we're, um, called to share the good news. And the good news is good for me, right? And oftentimes we we forget what God did in my life. Because Paul, did you hear his testimony? I was crazy against Christianity. I met Jesus and it changed me. You have a testimony, too, that no one can explain other than Jesus. Write it down. Think about it. See God in your life. Because that won't just build your faith, but it'll also prepare you to share it with somebody else. To help build faith in them. Another one is just to trust in God's calling. Uh, maybe you're at a place at a low point in life. Maybe you're struggling with things and, and, and you're just burdened by doubt or pain or, or difficult times. I want you to know this. God never abandoned you. He doesn't. If you're his follower, if he allows pain in your life, he's using it. He's using it to build your testimony and your purpose. So maybe it's this, is right now, it's just to cling to the truth by faith that God is a ministry in you. And just to believe it. And this week, every time you doubt it, just to say, God, I'm going to trust that, that you have a calling in my life. You've called me to do this. Maybe another thing you do is invite a friend to the series. Maybe you've got a friend who doesn't know the Lord. This is a series about God doing the work for them, not religion. <laughs> and if you have somebody that you've been talking to and sharing you, I want to give you an opportunity to bring them because we will be sharing the gospel that Jesus came and he died for us and he rose again. 
He just gives us this hope and this incredible message. Well, whatever your, your, your commitment is, or maybe something else, write it down there. Let us know. Mark it down there. In a minute, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to pass the offering baskets, and I want you to give first your offering that's on that card. That's the offering of you. Then your tithes and your offerings as well to thank God for all that he has done. And so we would like to do that. So, uh, And then... Um, if you're a guest this morning, this is our first Sunday of the month, which means it's our newcomer's reception after second service. Uh, but if you're new with us and like to know more about our church or have questions about today's message, I invite you to come and would love to talk with you. So, well, it's time to take our offerings, so let's pray for them. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who proves yourself true. Lord, and we don't need to take tons of classes to see it, that you have proven yourselves in the lives of the apostles but you have also proven yourselves in the lives of those here, that you change us and transform us. Father, and that your word is true, that it doesn't come from men, but it comes from you, directly from your mouth, that we don't have to wonder how to get close to you or how to be forgiven, but you have told us. Father, I pray as a church you help us to cling to that. Let us trust in the authenticity of your word and of this faith, Father God, and I pray for our people, for all of us, Lord, that we would trust the mission that you've given us, and we would, Father, engage in the ministry you've given us. Lord, as we uh, just dive in and live into the message, become the message that you have given us, that Jesus came, that he saved us from our sins, and that he's called us to bring this message of reconciliation to the nations, Father. So take that. Take these offerings, we ask. Lord, we also pray for the, the tithes and the offerings that we bring as well. Thank you for taking care of us and for meeting our needs and for giving us the opportunity to give back to you. Not out of our extras, but, Father, out of our first fruits because you, God, are the one that takes care of us. Use these gifts, Lord, please, to further your message and your ministry. Lord, we pray that in Christ's name.